Football on Off the Ball. With Sky, proud partner and supporter of the Republic of Ireland women's national football team. This is News Talk. Now, welcome along to the football show. Latest in the Champions League with 55 minutes on the clock. Nil all still between Manchester City and Atletico at the Etihad. Manchester City have a free kick in a very interesting area, which is saved very well. It was a good strike by De Bruyne, low and hard, down to the keeper's left, saved, and Atletico come away. So nil all, 55 minutes on the clock. Meanwhile, over in Lisbon, Benfica won, Liverpool 2 is where we are. Liverpool were 2-0 up in this game. Canade on 17 minutes and then Mane on 34 minutes. But Nunes has just pulled one back for Benfica on 49 minutes. So 2-1 Liverpool, nil all at the Etihad. Dan McDonald of the Irish Independent here in studio. Hello. Hi, Joe. How are things? Very well. The podcast listeners will have just heard Miguel Delaney talking about his trip to Qatar. As much as anything, struck by the size of Qatar. Yeah, no, I found it interesting, all right. Yeah, and I, I was in touch with Miguel over the weekend as well, just ask him what the crack was over there, I suppose. And, and uh, yeah, like there's different, I've heard different ones of Yorkshire being used and Limerick and different sort of geographical things. And, um, I don't think I was struck by in your chat, and it, it is it is the experience, and I think I would have covered the same World Cups Miguel has in terms of starting in South Africa, and and I mean this is I mean, this one is don't need to go over old ground, but then at the same time you need to keep referencing old ground as well too. Like just you know it's well known how disgraceful it is. It's going there, and it's 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 madness. Um, but it, it is also true that like. FIFA and the organisers and this particularly with the ludicrous welfare they always find a way I even think some of the concerns about accommodation and all this I feel like Qatar this is such a PR job for them they do not want images of like fans I don't know double booked in tents or something do you know what I mean or, or like you know, their accommodation doesn't exist when they get there I'm pretty sure that's down the list of what they want you know and they'll probably just build like sort of soulless stop gaps to deal with it you know, yeah. Are you going? Oh, I, d- I actually don't know at this stage. To be honest, it's um, I've gone to the last couple, so um, I'm sure it'll be it'll be considered. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be considered. I I do believe like um, I know M- Miguel sort of would have uh, talked about this. I I do believe it's important to go. I know people would say. Um, and he would have got some stick over it and reporters would get stick over it they'll say well why don't you boycott it you know, but I don't, to me like that uh, you know with all due respect to uh, any journalist out there them not going isn't really serving any purpose because it's the World Cup and it's going to be covered you know it's it's going to be you know it's sort of a it's sort of a it, it will go on anyway and I think going there and telling the stories and as he did he mentioned like chat to some of the workers and chat to people I think to me that's you know what what probably the journalist story is I think if you were to go there and sort of ignore all the other stuff and just go on there and just report the football only and ignore it then that's that's not doing the right thing yeah. but I think you know to, to tell the story of it if people are sort of talking about the sort of the human impact of it I think going there to highlight that is more beneficial than, than not but that's just my personal opinion I understand other people might have different views on that I would tend to agree with you it's a television event realistically you going there and writing a few match reports is not going to make or break the World Cup you going there and writing some pieces that should be written and that the mm. authorities don't necessarily want told and maybe are uh, shared because they're uh, of worth uh, that's more significant yeah I think so and I mean of course like 
you know, I would look back on it now and I know you were in Brazil um, I would have gone to Russia in particular like Russia is such sort of you're almost examining their conscience about around it now in some respects because it does happen and this is what you have to be careful of like you definitely go there and no matter how cynical you can be you there's a tendency to be a small bit seduced by it and to find the good side of it and it's like a lot of the sort of sports washing that happens it's a more so unconscious as opposed to deliberate if you know what I mean like you're sort of think about it like you'd sort of you would have had your eyes open to a lot of things in Russia but at the same time it's it's you know you, you find yourself almost joshing a small bit about elements of the the say the Russia games and the, the theatre of it and how the crowd behaved and stuff but when you think of it now you like you know it was cosmetic exercise I remember the atmosphere for the Russia Spain game the one with the knocked them out and penalties and it was sort of there was something mad about being in Russia that night afterwards in Moscow that night afterwards where you had like these impromptu scenes of celebration on the street that the authorities weren't even sure how to deal with this because this doesn't necessarily happen but like within the stadium it was um it was it was quirky like it was the there clearly wasn't Russian football fans that were attending. It wasn't like the the CSK Moscow or the Spartak Moscow heads. In fact, I think we, we'd heard that I think they'd uh, removed a lot of the more hooligan elements or the more hardcore elements from the from the competition. You know, they weren't there, and like, there was fans that they were applauding at the wrong times. You know, they were applauding at like random intervals, like you know, a flurry of excitement for like a. I don't know, a, a, an attacking throw-in but then muted response for a, a free kick in a threatening position. Just a couple of little things like that maybe not that specific. And I remember like almost making a bit of a laugh of it going, you know, this is typical. But when you think about it now, you look at it a completely different perspective and you think, yeah, I mean, we're sort of laughing about the theatre of like, this is just all almost like a it's all a charade in some respects, you know. And, and then you see the Luzhniki being used for like a Putin rally now and you're thinking, yeah, there's your brand new sort of on spec FIFA stadium with a perfect platform and stage being used for something else so I think it's it's one of those Brazil like you know you would go and you'd see sort of poverty and you'd hear stuff about the local police and things that would happen but while you were there they shut down a lot of that and made it reasonably okay and then your your coverage maybe is influenced in some way by what you've experienced and you have to look beyond it sometimes but sometimes you do get caught up in it yeah. I, I can't see guitar being as charming that people will go down that route about this point before like Russia still has a football tradition football fans you know the game means something when you go around the, the place Brazil obviously yeah. so you know I mean the attraction was obvious um, but this one it's hard to see that yeah one last point Russian guitar I'd separate in terms of their objectives I feel like under Putin, it's all just a massive flex. The Sochi Olympics, hosting the World Cup. It's just to show Russia is once again a superpower of the world in various facets. Whereas Qatar seems to be more of the quote unquote sports washing um, motivation. In so much as I can tell, I'd love to know what their motivation is. Yeah, I think though for Putin, there was something about being on stage with Infantino or, or his relationship with Thomas Bach or whatever like that was I mean it's a form of this is it's it's affecting how people you think see him legitimised him yeah I think to some degree yeah to some degree he had annexed Crimea and invaded Georgia and was clearly a dictator so I don't think Gianni given the high five convinced anyone otherwise no true but I suppose it makes it 
in in parts of the world who weren't doing their reading into that you know there was, I mean wasn't there a we're not completely off topic today but wasn't there like a German politician today speaking about how they were admitting their mistakes that they'd sort of fallen into the trap of like believing like a softer stance towards Russia was 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 the right way to go and I think some of the diplomatic posturing they did got people into a line of okay. thought of thinking you know that, that's just I, listen I, the, I mean the guitar one is just so obviously blatant like yeah. you know it, guitar is nothing really you know yeah. what I mean in the sense of as I said you can you can explain away the Russian one in some shape or form because there's a history of football where you go around the country like you know and you go yeah. to places where you know, there's a history going back to the you know to the history of the game, like you know World Cups in the '60s, and and mentioned you know Lev Yashin, and like you know you can find there's a story there you can latch onto. Um, you go to I was in like Kazan and like Ruben Kazan and these clubs that you know have have existed for a long period of time. I mean Qatar, as you said, it's not even. It, it, in some ways, in sports, like sports watching, is what it is. But in other ways, it's just it's just a, it's just an obscene show of wealth to show that we we can make this happen mm. too. You know, like sports watching is the term that's used, and that's that's correct. But I mean, are a lot of people even is it changing their perception of Qatar? Really, I don't even know that it is. It's just it's just it's just more like well, we just know that it's there because this is a, you know, the, this is what they do. You know, that was the question I was going to ask. I would think it's backfired here. Yeah, well, I mean, this is the argument around how it's covered, isn't it? You know, if like, do they think that people? Did they think that once it came around that people would sort of get on with it and ignore that? Or you see some like strange stuff. You see that they're clearly trying to get on board with some... You, you see people out there on trips. Like you see Beckham right, is doing his thing. But I've even seen like some supporters and stuff from various countries in the world being brought out there and they've 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 laid out the red carpet. But it's not going to... They, they're going to be sort of laughed out of town, I think. Some of those campaigns. I don't think people are going to go there and they go... Actually, now that we got here, it's 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 very different. I don't think that's going to be. As I said, that has happened in previous World Cups. I've done a bit of it myself at times. In in some ways, you end up falling for. It. I just can't see anyone going there, to Qatar, and suddenly starting to write. Well, actually, now that we're here. Yeah, you know, it's not as bad as as they say. Plus, you know? it's been six years of almost unprecedented bad press. Yeah, yeah. Even if everybody has an okay month, and even if it goes reasonably well, and even if rainbow flags aren't confiscated and the accommodation situation is reasonably okay and alcohol is served and people have a good time I'm not st- I'm still not sure that that will overshadow the six seven years of bad press I don't think it will so I would think privately the Qataris are horrified at the way this whole thing has been received again and again and again and thought that was illustrated over the weekend in Qatar when they took a far more aggressive stance to any question yeah. as if they're a bit fed up with having to gently, gently, softly, softly apologise for their cultural beliefs, which, you know, in in many instances we find totally unacceptable, but that they're, they're their cultural beliefs. And I think they have given up now apologising and speaking of progress. They are now saying, you can all be very, very quiet. Gareth Southgate, educate yourself, is educate what the yourself. guy said. Yeah. And I, and I think uh, that is Norwegian, going to be their... Uh, the Norwegian... FA executive, FA yeah. Executive, so yeah. That, I think that's going to be their policy for... Uh, the next six or seven months. But I think I, I look at this and I was making the point to Miguel and I'll, I'll, we'll move off this now because mm. we'll be talking about this for uh, months and months more and we have done already on numerous occasions. But sports washing in this kind of instance, I think it's just backfired. I use the parallel of Father Ted and Dougal outside the cinema. All it has served to do 
for huge swathes of people is highlight the issues with Qatar. It's, like, did oh, you, true. Did, did you know about the kafala system in any great depth? Well, when they were awarded it, but yeah, not not. I heard I've heard your discussion earlier. Like, yeah, it has highlighted. Now, this is the thing, by the way, that FIFA will say too, in a in a certain way, in a in a different, in a, they will frame it in a different way. But, but this is why FIFA will say that this is a a force for change. Don't bringing it to, here is allowed to yeah, yeah, allow them to maybe soften their stance on some way, issues. It's in like a, you're in a way we shouldn't even make that point because 16 of the 22 FIFA executives have been investigated or else found guilty of fraud. I know, so no, I know. Th- there is no FIFA this logic is going to here. Be the, this is going to be the, the defence. It's like, well, isn't it? It's well like the Saudi Arabia stuff. Well, now, look, at they've they've made certain, you know, they've, 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 they've made certain concessions around, you know, letting women do particular things. It isn't that great. And that's, that's the way that it will go. Um, no one's listening to FIFA, though. No, well, I mean, but I mean, FIFA, like you know, people, everyone knows what FIFA are. I don't think that 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 opinion is going to be changed by anything. Um, but I was interested. I think Miguel has made the point. Um, I thought some interest. I know, I know we want to move on from yeah. this, but like you know, Miguel made the point that Qatar actually are uncomfortable with some of their uh, Western media supporters that sometimes talking about how great things are. They actually they're actually a bit uncomfortable with that. You know that they have the. I thought that was an interesting point he was, he's, he's made that like Richard Keyes I think yeah the suggestion is they're not mad on some of that um, some of them people some of them being the, the spokespeople for that because maybe how how they get pilloried for it you know um, maybe it's you know something he can broaden out again in future um, and that is definitely something that's that, that I found quite interesting um, but there is going to be a broader debate and discussion around it um, closer to the time but I just don't see I take your point about it back for him, but what and then the other thing, Barney Roney's point weekend. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Brief the Barney Roney piece that Qatar at the moment, of course, the reason that they're so emboldened and they're they're so confident is because of the situation uh, with Russia, ironically enough, and people need Qatar now. Um, the you know the how these things gain momentum is that political power and government in the various countries get on you know get on board behind a campaign against some kind of boycott or stand or something, but people now need Qatar. Um, you, know, for, you know, for their gas, and as a result, they're suddenly not too willing to sort of rock the boat too much. And that's what Qatar are thinking. That's probably part of where their stance comes from. Mm. It's like, well, let's be, let's let's stand tall and proud because we're in a good place in the world right now. People need us. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Two one Liverpool away to Benfica. Sixty six minutes in the clock. Still nil all. Man City and Atletico nil all. Pep won't be loving this. Well, a couple of times since uh, just after half time, like let go two really, really good counter attacks and really good opportunities. And um, I've seen people in discussion make the point that as we watch City score, oh, what a goal! Oh, it's brilliant, Man City one 0 They've really had to. I mean, De Bruyne is just he's, he's amazing, really on a, on a on a good day. But the point was being made that like, sometimes it's just far easier for City, even against good Premier League sides, to get space and that no Premier League team defends like Atletico in the manner that they do with the intensity to be able to deliver it. Um, well, this was no room situation. Phil Foden, uh, we'll see now in the replay, it was De Bruyne who scored from the right-hand side, low, uh, halfway uh, between... Uh, goalpost and right hand side of the penalty area maybe in line with the six yard box but it's Atletico camped and it's Foden who gets the ball and he's got two three touches he's got three or four Atletico players around him and just slides it down uh, through the legs of an Atletico player slides it uh, ahead of him into De Bruyne's path he makes a diagonal run onto the ball and then finishes first time side footed into the far corner low 
it's just a high class goal two class players Foden just come on because I know we didn't I'm trying to think that we saw him sort of a second ago I know we were in, in discussion but I think he, I'm not sure how recently he was introduced yeah he's just on two minutes I think that's pretty much Foden's first touch wow. to uh, to create that so I that wondered the power was Foden, of the bench I wondered yeah. was Foden being rested in so much as he can Champions League time for the Liverpool game the weekend he has been a real thorn in Liverpool's sides in the last couple of Man City Liverpool. Yeah, games. you'd wonder. I mean, you'd see it, why though. that yeah. was touch of class. Yeah, the I'm just looking. At the, the, yeah, they made a treble change. So it was Grealish, Foden, and Gabriel Jesus for Sterling, Mares, and Gundogan. I mean, you just say the names, and it's like that's the power that they have. Yeah, but you would imagine. I know it's you know Tuesday to Sunday, so like it's you assume with the 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 energy they have. I don't know do you need to rest that much do you think it would take that much out of the system particularly against the team that you might be de- might be defending a little bit of a lower block against you I'm not so sure maybe it was just tactical um, but it's it's you know there's it's a pretty sweet option to have to bring into the game Sure, you know? you're probably right in the resting point Tuesday at home versus Sunday it's probably not a resting against the Letico like the, the type of game it was likely to be I'm sure it's still very demanding but it's not a lot of the time it's been what we're watching now it's like sort of blocks of red and white and you're trying to play through it yeah um, well Foden Class has made the breakthrough finished by De Bruyne so 1-0 Man City our football show coverage is brought to you by Sky watch every way for Champions League and Europa League match live on BT Sport this season we'll take a short break I want to chat to you about a few things uh, League of Ireland latest Arsenal last night Une Emery interesting interview the Obafemi situation uh, Troy Parrott, by the way, scored a very nice a goal. Very, I was just going to say on good goals tonight and Conor Coventry as well, but Parrott probably seven days on from Lithuania scoring another one is yeah, decent. Very good. Good touch and then composure, dinked it over the keeper. So he's uh, maybe starting to get into a bit of a groove. And then, of course, Wayne Rooney on Monday Night Football last night. So we'll mm. take a short break. More on the way. Football on Off the Ball. With Sky, proud partner and supporter of the Republic of Ireland women's national football team. This is News Talk. Now you're welcome, Max. So still Man City 1 at Letico 0 and in Lisbon 2-1 Liverpool against Benfica. 74 minutes on the clock in both games. Dan McDonald here in studio alongside me. By the way, ahead of the Republic of Ireland and their World Cup qualifier against Sweden on Tuesday off the ball's own Sheehan has caught up with Lucy Quinn to talk goal scoring, the brilliance of Denise O'Sullivan and much more. Here's a little taster. What's your best this is a good question. Um, to be fair, I think I'm slightly better out wider. So whether that be like as a 10 that can float out wide or a winger. Um, but yeah, I've played all over. I just like to be in the forward line, um, linking up play and hopefully getting some goals. You've got a bit of time in midfield as well recently. Yeah, no, I've played slightly deeper. Um, it is something that I definitely want to add to my game, um, playing in the middle, maybe as an eight or even the older I get, dropping a bit deeper back the slower I get so yeah no that's something that being in the middle of the park presents completely different challenges your awareness your scanning um, the fitness just is is completely different so yeah it's something I'd like to do but I think my best position would be out on the wing and I'll let the technicians take care of that bit that's interesting because I was chatting to Louise Quinn about the difference between playing in a back two and a back three and she says when she's in a back three uh, as you say there's more scanning there's more you use your awareness a bit more for you I presume the closer you are to goal it's far more based on instinct oh yeah definitely I think when I overthink things in front of goal I think you can tell Um, every goal I've ever scored in my career always happens completely different in my head to when I watch it back after the game it's it's just pure instinct and I wouldn't change that because it's just kind of 
what your feet do in the moment or head sometimes, rarely. How do you explain it then? What does make a good goal scorer in those kind of instinctive positions? It's strange, actually. I had a similar conversation with uh, Katie yesterday about, in my opinion, you can't teach someone to be a goal scorer. I think it's something that you have. I think you can see it in young players when they have an eye for goal and, you know, sometimes there's a pass on and they're like, actually, no, I'm just going to have a shot myself. Or So, yeah, I think you can you can make good strikers by teaching them movement and awareness and obviously footwork um, but for me I think you can always see yeah that girl's got an eye for goal and she's going to get some goals. So how do you work on your goal scoring capabilities at the moment then? Um, we do a lot of stuff after training um, we do a lot of stuff in groups with maybe movements in the box and that's stuff that I really enjoy like I'll always be staying out there uh, last on the training pitch if it's set pieces dead ball situations or or yeah like we said uh, like strikers drills um, but yeah for me a, a massive way that I learn is, is watching video footage back of, of the games for me that's benefited me massively things that I didn't necessarily see at the time and that I need to look for next time maybe and as you say it looks completely different to how it felt yeah massively so sometimes I, I will think that I see a gap somewhere when there's not a gap there at all or I didn't see a player to my left so I like to watch that back and then the next time I'm in that situation hopefully I'll just double check for that one and, and yeah learn that way do you watch other players as well or is it just yourself that you watch? Yeah, no, massively is men's football, but also when women's football, you, you're always watching YouTube videos and stuff. Someone that I really like to watch is Denise. Um, she'll, you know, take the mick out of me for saying that. But <laughs> those sorts of players um, that you watch on the ball and what they're doing. And yeah, I think it helps you learn massively because, yeah, you feel realistic. You're not too far away from that and you can kind of use what they do in their game. She's not here, so you can say it. So what, what do you look into when you watch Denise O'Sullivan? I mean, sometimes I'll just be on the pitch with her and I'll just find myself standing and watching when I probably should be like running or making like a supporting angle. But yeah, just players that get on the ball and just ultimately have complete control of all the players around them, whether it's she's like using her body to shift different ways rather than actually manipulating the ball. Um, yeah, it's just fascinating to watch. And yeah, she'll get a good good little ego boost out of that one now. Because we, we don't see it. And what we do see in, in the games is, is pretty amazing from her. But what are you seeing in training that the rest of us don't see? Yeah, do you know what? In, in training, it's even more special because she, obviously you're put in certain situations within training drills that maybe we don't get to as often in the games. Um, so with her, she's, yeah, she's constantly chipping goalkeepers, stepovers, selling people, creating goals. And then she's got the ability to transfer that into a, into a game. So she can go 90 minutes with a lot of defending work and she gets that one chance to hit the top corner and she'll hit it. And I think that's what makes her world class. Yeah, there you are. So that is Lucy Quinn talking to Owen in advance of the game on Tuesday as Atletico scrambled to clear a De Bruyne shot from off the line it's a real case of there are eight Atletico bodies in front of it and one of them gets a toe to it and Simeone's on the sideline kicking every ball with them Guardiola heads on his hands so still 1-0 Man City that is obviously a big game for Ireland away to Sweden Dan however given uh, Sweden's class and the fact that they're so clearly the best team in the group there's a degree of shot to nothing about yeah there is I think I mean they have that big week in September where they play Finland and Slovakia and that's really the week and then I think prior to that I think they have a an away game in Georgia they really should win I think Georgia are terrible um, so like I think there's almost like between now and that big week in September there's a game you should lose and a game you should win if you know what I mean and um so yeah, it is a shot to nothing. Anything else better than that is a bonus. Mm. And I remember a, year, a couple of years back, like they they, they drew what 
with Holland the way under Colin Bell and it was completely backs against the wall and it was celebrated because it was a step in the road but it was actually pretty hard to watch it was just luck you know like great brave defending from one perspective but on the other hand it was like you know just trying to just hang in there no matter what and I think you can, you can, they're trying to do things a little bit more constructively you hear now from some of the noises about it so they're going to have to be backs against the wall but hopefully try and play a bit and, and come with you know, come what may but their week their year revolves around one week in September and I think that's that's the reality of it Wayne Rooney Monday Night Football yeah he was good um, I was just saying to you all fair I'm, I'm working my way through a documentary on Amazon I'm only halfway through it um, I think I'm probably I think the respect for Rooney or the curiosity about Rooney has to say and I wonder is a bit of a media thing in some respects that everyone was like bigging it up almost before he was on and maybe it's because people have seen his Sunday Times columns which are very good yeah and so there sort of was a sense that it was always going to be good and like he was good last night but I mean it wasn't like an amazing like to me like an amazing TV performance that sort of changed your life it was just is it because people had a low bar for what they expected of Rooney in some respects like I don't know like you know because he's certain certain sort of gruff sort of demeanour and image and some of the stories around that people assume like he wouldn't he, he wouldn't be a sort of a constructive sort of speaker in the game or something which is clearly not the case like you've seen his columns sure he was working with a good ghost and stuff but still there was an opinions within there that were sort of um, they were drawn out in a way that showed that he like he had a real ability and intellect like to explain his point of views I thought it was interesting I didn't, didn't catch all of it and the way that people consume TV now I had it on you know and and listened to the bits I was more interested in than others mm. um, but uh I thought he was. I thought he came across well. I mean, you know, he's a current manager of a club in a relegation battle, and um, but I think there's a bit of respect there for the job he's done because at other times people would be like, "What are you doing? Doing you can, that?" You can and forget he turned down the Everton job. Yeah, and he spoke about. It. I mean, I, I thought like, I mean, the bit at the end, more so towards the end, he was speaking about. Uh, you know what? What's your dream job? Or words to that effect? And he was like Everton and Manchester United. I'm like, I oh, just don't tell me you're going to do it again. You're going to go to Everton and jump ship. Are you, are you clearing the path for that? And it'd be great to have that position. But I thought like he's he's previously explained that quite well, and I think it probably was a, a wise move too. Like he's gaining a lot of respect, I think, for what he's doing at Derby, and all this helps. Let's be honest. Like you know, even doing this show and doing the column and everything, I mean, it has helped to probably alter an image of Wayne Rooney that existed which was probably needed you know for him to there's probably a, again a certain snob, snobbishness that might exist that people would always assume that like well Lampard will go and be a manager and certain people and maybe Rooney people wouldn't have believed that mm. you know and um, and now you're seeing like there's a lot more to his, to his character he's, he's lived a lot of experiences that have given them a certain perspective and I mean he, he comes across quite well and as I said the job he's done at Derby uh, has been, I actually would have watched a bit of Derby towards the end of last season and I actually thought they were struggling a bit I wasn't sure how good a job he was doing but actually over time you can see he's, done a, he's doing a much better job there and that probably backs up the point of not jumping too soon mm. to the Everton gig as tempting mm. as it would be because maybe he wouldn't have been ready for it at that time and he's better off where he is and it's a little bit more of a plan almost the opposite of his playing career where Everton was just trust upon him at the start mm. then you have to get to terms with it maybe his management path can plot at a bit more at his own pace and um, and, and see where it takes him Michael Obafemi is scoring goals at club level yeah this is one of the things um that it's a little bit surprising. I mean, he's he. I think he's had nine goals for the season. They're playing tonight. I don't think he scored. They're one up there. I checked with a few minutes ago um, against. I think they're away to Millwall. I think it is. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, he is one that... Um, what I find interesting about Obafemi is that managers have been pretty willing to sort of slate him publicly in a way that other people wouldn't be. Like Ralph Hasenhutl would have been had question marks about him. Uh, Russell Martin, his manager at Swansea, would have sort of said things about him that wouldn't have been very flattering and sort of suggesting maybe just how he needed to work his attitude off the park or demeanour and stuff like unusual things. Not like, you know, he needs to improve his finishing or something. It was almost an undercurrent of stuff, more so a Hassan Hootel at some of his injury problems. Was he helping himself, doing enough to help himself? But he's now all of a sudden at Swansea, he's, he's thriving since Christmas. Um, he scored twice against Cardiff at the weekend, which is a big derby, so like a big game. And I mean, at the moment, there's probably no other Irish striker scoring goals in you know regularly at that level, to that degree. I mean, Scott Hogan has had a good season at um, Birmingham, but Swansea are... You know they're 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 pushing their decent side, and he's he's doing it for them. And, and even Martin at the weekend was saying um, that he's 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 being himself a lot more around the place. And and again, it was all character based as opposed to football based to discussion. And I mean, he was good enough to play in the Premier League and score at a very young age. So you your guessing ability isn't a problem. It just seemed to be other stuff. Um, for whatever reason, I mean, he wasn't in the recent Ireland squad. He effectively, going on what Stephen Kenny said, he turned down the call. Um, but it was because he was worried about his recent injury record and he needed to, which is true, like he's had fragile hamstrings and that he needed to mind himself a bit more. But it's got the potential to become a talking point if, because Kenny did say at that time, I'm not going to lie or words to that effect, you know, it's, not, it's not helping his prospects of coming in in June if he hasn't come in this time. He's more inclined to probably go with the lads who've been there. I mean, it was Obafemi's decision, it would seem, to check himself out of this. Um, but if he keeps scoring goals at that level, um, it's going to be hard, I think, for Kenny to leave him out come the summer. Yeah. And the ball will be in Obafemi's court to then turn up. And do we know what's going on here? Because even as just a show of goodwill on his part, he could have come into camp over the last uh, week and said, well, I am conscious of my hamstrings. I haven't played many games in a row. Could I do two twenty minutes for you and train away and just yeah. learn your system? And we all well, see, there's a bit more to the backstory as well too, because when he was in the twenty ones under Kenny, he didn't. He was always second choice, or you know, he was behind Ida and Parrot and Connolly. A couple of times he came in, then he did do that sort of emoji tweet when he was left. Out. No, it wasn't emoji. It was just interesting um, when he was left out of Kenny's yeah. first squad, which is a bit of a mini storm. And it was then deleted. And again, it just like seems like he hasn't always helped himself, okay. you know, off the pitch. But but now, if it's tr- and, and Kenny, to be fair, went out of his way to say it's squad. He had a chat with Omfemi. He seems very sincere in his commitment to Ireland. Okay. Um. So it may well be the start of a constructive relationship going forward. And if he keeps doing what he does at the weekend, it's going to be hard to ignore. Yeah, and very useful. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, Chidozi Benny. Yeah, I mean. I, I flicked over just at the right time on Sunday because I mean it was actually not a bad weekend for Irish players in the UK because you had Matt Doherty doing his thing at Spurs which is sort of uh, you know sensational really yeah. um, but I, I flicked over with 93 minutes gone to see if Rotherham were going to lose this this is like the, the EFL, EFL trophy, trophy. The Papa John's yeah. trophy to give it its, its, its sponsor laden Sorry, name Papa John yeah Rotherham against Sutton Sutton 93rd minute they looked like they were going to lose 2-1 to a team in the League two. two, yeah, and then Ogbeni plays a pass. Not to be honest, it's an assist. It wasn't an amazing moment. Just a pass. Guy scores, goes to extra time. You're like, okay, might see where this takes us. Start of extra time, takes the ball twenty five yards from goal, 
and drills at home and that's not an Ogbeni goal like you know like Ogbeni isn't someone who who takes it like Stephen Gerrard like and, and drills it in from outside the area he's more as we know you see his Ireland go, arriving with pace arriving at the right time I want to watch him play in the League of Ireland here people can correct me I don't recall him being one you think okay here he is 20-25 yards out he's going to why let don't you go start here. limiting Ogbeni here well right? this is it I mean the lesson is don't underestimate him Get anymore um, I'm, glad, but, I'm glad you shoved your words down your throat. <laughs> the, the, my non-existent words. Yeah. This, this could be clipped in a very unfavorable way. Yeah. Um, no, like, and it's just, it's just again, it's a bit like you know, Paris um, scores last week and, and brings it back to club level. But like Ogbeni, when you think about it, I mean, for someone whose career has been slow to sort of really gather pace, that in the space of two weekends he scores at the Aviva Stadium and then he scores at Wembley looks like Rotherham might get promoted or the strong contenders get promoted and he's got his contract is up I think so he's got options I know he's got one year left but he's in that sort of sweet spot where if they're gonna not going to give you a good contract they're going to sell you he's got a lot going for him and he's timing and he's, people are going to be thinking yeah like and, and how Kenny has used him has probably helped him as opposed to maybe he's playing wing back primarily for Rotherham whereas Kenny has shown what he can do higher up the pitch in a particular team mm. so it's 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 a, I think for all the, the broader Kenny debate and you can argue this and that the Ogbeni one is a pure Kenny's belief in him because I, I think I would I'd be surprised if he would have been capped yet under some other managers and that's just personal preference but I think Kenny rated him for a long time and, and was willing to put him in and have a go and it's been vindicated it sure has domestically Derry are six clear at toe table it's kind of interesting yeah they are um, and, and 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 Stevie O'Donnell is running the Inchicore gauntlet he is and I think I was just checking I think Bo, have Bows actually won tonight yeah Bows have won tonight so the, the there'll be celebrations in I don't know various music bars and you know media houses tonight because that's where all the Bows fans obviously reside they'll be their crisis is over um, but yeah no, Derry are, are, are six clear top of the table and they have a kind run of fixtures coming up where they'd be expected they've actually played like they've played sort of a lot of their rivals and beaten them including like injury time goals against Shamrock Rovers against St. Pat's and against Bowes last Friday so and there's something happening there you know to the extent that they are now very much the team who will push Shamrock Rovers oh 100% I mean they are back their owner did happen to become a billionaire which is queer, the chairman which is helpful which means that come the summer if their squad is a bit small because their big marquee signing was Michael Duffy on a four year contract over the winter and he's broken his leg so I mean yeah. they'll get resources if they need them what wiggle room is there with financial fair play for a billionaire with an Irish club? Well, it's a problem because you're, you're, there's a salary cap protocol there, but it does help that. Um, I mean, he's the chairman. He's uh, The situation is such that really it allows clubs to sort of, uh, if they're running if they're running at a loss I'm not sure if this is the specific case in Derry I have to say so we have to be careful but I mean there would obviously be directors loans and stuff there that would allow you I mean in certain clubs and in fairness Philip Doherty has spoken about this in the past at the end of the year he will write a cheque to make yeah. sure that Derry are, are covered Liverpool you know? 3-1 by the way just in so 3-1 Liverpool which you would think really puts this tie to bed with Anfield to come Diaz one of the great signings of this season and several others on 87 minutes because and I'm not alleging this by the way I know this isn't yeah isn't happening in Derry but so our billionaire friend up there could just set up some shell of a company signs Dan McDonnell the uh, potent centre forward that you are and Dan you're a part time footballer for Derry City you also work for my company 
where I pay you two million a year <laughs> and give you healthy annual leave to go and pursue your well, career. Well, I mean, Derry. like the, the you know, the, the, has has have things like that happened elsewhere and not in Derry, like at a, at a much smaller scale. The GAA is built on this. The, the potentially, yeah, it's like you know, players who are like I don't know, listed as, as groundsmen and stuff, but that, very much not in Derry, I have to say. But you hear this <laughs> elsewhere, right? Um, but yeah, they've got a chance. I mean, they've got Rory Higgins, who was a massive part of Dundalk's success. And they've got a lot of the Dundalk players, some of the big Dundalk players. So it's not surprising that maybe they're having a bit of the Dundalk ethos, even with the late goals and stuff. Higgins would be very close to Stephen Kenny, would have been on a staff. And it, I think they've got a chance of, of pushing them a fair bit. Steve O'Donnell, yeah, I mean, I see Pats are expecting the game is going to sell out potentially on Friday. Nick's um, just, uh, of course, the GA was not built on that, which is <laughs> <but clarifying. laughs> almost built on precisely the opposite to what I said, to be fair. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, no. No, no one, no one obviously. Managers though, no, managers. No one gets paid in the GA. We all know that. Just you know, just have long journeys in Dan, some cases. But but, I, but, <laughs> but 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 traffic, <laughs> traffic was brutal. You know. Can I give you the goals in League One this evening? Troy Parrott, MK Dons. Connor Coventry, MK Dons. Yeah. Will Keane, naturally. Yeah. Of Wigan, Aidan O'Brien of Portsmouth, Kieran oh, Sadlier yeah. of Bolton. There oh, you go. Kieran Sadlier. Uh, yeah. I would have said by Pass the way. Ask Gavin Bazzino. I would have said. Oh, that's by the actually way. sorry. Or, yeah, Kieran Sadlier. Sorry, you scored a penalty against. I was Ga- speaking. Okay, but this is a better point than the, whatever one you were going to make. Oh, jeez, that's that's full <laughs> Gary Neville. Kieran Sadlier scored a penalty against Gavin Bazzino tonight in League One. Gavin Bazzino announced himself on the map at 16, saving a penalty at Turner's Cross for Shamrock Rovers from Kieran Sadlier, who was then playing for Cork City. So Kieran Sadlier, years later, is thinking this kid who saved my penalty a couple of years back has now gone on to play for Ireland and like saving Ronaldo penalties and Sadler sticks it in I like that I like that sort of symmetry okay. years later they play in a League One stadium and this happens okay. what was your point I'm sorry no, no, no. it was going to be good was it no 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 it's gone moment's gone well no we'll take it oh we'll take it after it we'll we'll be, we'll, me and you're going to have stony silence during this ad break <laughs> Football on Off The Ball With Sky Proud partner and supporter of the Republic of Ireland Women's National Football Team This is News Talk uh, Just on the, on the cusp of full time over in Lisbon Five minutes of out of time So it's Benfica 1, Liverpool 3 in that game And it has gone full time at the Etihad 1-0 Man City Going to Madrid <laughs> Yeah, I mean it was obviously like I can see Guardiola was very animate in the last few minutes I mean obviously there's no away goal factor there I mean previously that would have been a great result in a way you've avoided the away goal to yeah. score one and they need three it's not really like that so I'm just going to have to ride the gauntlet over there yeah, yeah. he's riding the gauntlet Liverpool have put this tie to bed presuming it stays 3-1 very impressive and so we look ahead to Sunday which is going to be awesome do you have a strong feeling either way Liverpool or Man City here uh, I do it's towards Man City because they're running you can see them almost winning every game after Sunday and so on th- Sunday so they almost need to just <laughs> and, and this isn't their way I think if they almost if they stay ahead yeah. after Sunday I think they have a run like Liverpool have to play they play Manchester United in the next couple and then listen I know at the moment you'd be fancy them they have Everton, Everton they have Spurs they have some they, tough they games they have a slightly tougher run in no, they, they, do. they both play Wolves and Villa and obviously Gerrard getting involved you can just see that happening but you can just see City sort of have they been sort of checked back into life did they get a little bit complacent if they can get through Sunday which is an if yeah I can see them winning all the way to the end of the season. So, it's going just to be. Feel, and they have home advantage on Sunday. You just, I think it still have to lean that way. But I mean, that you're even having the discussion is almost surprising. Well, it was a 14 yeah. point gap yeah. in January. Admittedly, two games in hand, but 14 point yeah. gap to be here. Yeah, it's amazing to have that. Like it, it has felt like the last three, four, five weeks have been counting down to this game. 
Yeah. Here it is on Master Sunday, Dan, just for you. Master Sunday entry on the Saturday, and then and the, but then they play again in the FA Cup on Saturday week. Just go so you can have too much of a good thing sometimes too. You know? Starting increasing. I mean, I, I would generally just never back against City. I'm starting to. I was slightly leaning towards Liverpool going and doing it. You know, there's something uh, very business-like about the way they're going through things at the moment. But I'm trying to think. Was it the previous game this season that they played? Was it the one that City dominated for a long period? Just you know, you just know. Well, I th- the the last on a, game on a good day. The last game was was a bit of a mess because if you remember, James Milner was playing right back. Mm. And Liverpool were not in a great place. Klopp is kind no, of No, they were having that slow start to the season and yeah. they, they couldn't beat Chelsea when Chelsea had 10 men and stuff, and, doesn't it? And, and yeah. Milner got killed. And, yeah. and Phil Foden had an extraordinary game. Really extraordinary game. So it was actually a great result for Liverpool, the draw. Uh, Mo Salah scored the most majestic, glorious Oh, goal. yeah. Danced. Sorry, that, yeah. That, it's, it's coming back now. Yeah. These games are decided on those moments. That's what mm. makes them so great. Like you, do, you wouldn't anticipate either side dominating necessarily. It's just who's going to do something a bit special. Salah looked uh, obviously very... Uh, flat at the weekend given yeah. everything that he's been through but he played the season you see you can so. see City dominating it with how they play but it's more Liverpool striking effectively with what they have if you know what I mean yeah. they'll probably would be happy for them to have it for spells if you know what I mean yeah, yeah. and that's what that's probably part of it it's, 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 it's their attacking power that will kill you mm. well it's live and off the ball half past four Sunday so obviously we'll be talking about that a lot over the, the coming days uh, our football show coverage brought to you by Sky watch every UEFA Champions League and Europe League match live on BT Sport this season OTBAM coming at you as usual half past seven tomorrow morning Dan McNall of the Irish Independent thank you thank you Joe Tom Dunn on the way